1: Good morning, everybody. This is Sportbox. The headlines Asian stocks see red as President Trump raises tensions with Beijing, unveiling executive orders that ban U.S. companies from working with TikTok and WeChat. That sends Chinese tech stocks lower. Mixed trade data from China sees exports jump over 7 percent in July, but imports below expectations, falling 1.4 percent on depressed demand. Higher food deliveries fail to offset a plunge in passengers for ride-hailing giant Uber, which sees revenues fall almost 30% in the second quarter, sending shares lower after hours. Uh, Catch the CEO on CNBC later today. And Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey tells CNBC that negative rates are in the toolbox, but the central bank has no plans to use them at this stage as he hit, hits back at uh, criticism of the BoE for being too optimistic about the speed of the recovery, data is showing
0: that there has been a recovery in the economy. However, here's where I would, you know, I would really push back on the optimism point. We are taking very little from that in terms of what is going, we think could happen will happen next.
1: Terrific interview with Andrew Bailey yesterday, always good to get down to Threadneedle Street to have the conversation and we're going to play you clips of that interview throughout the morning and then a special treat, Deputy Governor uh, will be up with us uh, on street signs. So let's talk a a little bit about the markets. Um, Let's pivot this way round since they've moved. Normally the markets are here but... Adam is just trying to keep me on my toes this Friday morning. He's a rogue, isn't he? Eh? Uh, Let's have a look at the the US uh, trading session here. And um, I don't have to point this up too hard, because I think you all know what the most interesting development was in the market yesterday. That was that push through 11,000 as far as the Nasdaq is concerned. I do want to dwell a little bit on this, though, and just annoy the producers who um, have timed the show very carefully. And I'm going to upset them now by just talking a little too long but there were some interesting uh, developments I think around holdings Daniel Loeb uh, dipped into Disney that was the headline story on CNBC Pro but he also bought some technology but not necessarily US tech stocks he actually picked up Alibaba and JD.com having said that We will come back to that President Trump story because that is weighing a little bit on the Chinese technology companies. But otherwise, um, straight A's, uh, really, as far as the Dow and the S&P are concerned. They've just continued to make further gains this week in spite of uh, those critics out there who say, I don't understand why the market's going up here. The data certainly doesn't justify the incremental gains. Having said all of that, it is going up. And you know what? There's only one winner. It is the market at this stage and not those who are betting against it. Let's have a look at the Asian markets because beyond President Trump and his comments on the tech stocks, I do want to flag something else up for you. And that is Japan. We had some better data in Japan on the consumption side. And I just want to share this with you because it's a household spending survey with 13% upside June. That's a month-on-month comparison. You want to know what the Japanese went out and start spending money on? Furniture and household items up 27% year-on-year. Recreation, things like going out to restaurants and bowling alleys and so forth, negative 21%. But uh, very interesting to get that statistic when I know there are a lot of economists out there who are very sceptical of the consumption side of the Japanese economy. And of course we had the trade data, another big jump in terms of uh, Chinese uh, trade surplus. Uh, A lot of that is down to PPE equipment as well, as you can imagine here, China being a, a major supplier of medical equipment at the moment. But it's somewhat continues to thumb the nose at those like President Trump who want to see the trade balance shift in the favour of the United States. And of course, there are those others who continue to argue that China pursues a mercantilist trade strategy regardless of the uh, continued action being taken on the trade side to try and adjust the current balance. Uh, We'll just leave the Asian markets there for a moment. I do want to tell you about gold, but we'll come back to that in about 30 minutes time. Let's pick up on the President Trump story then. The President has unveiled a ban on US transactions with TikTok owner ByteDance and WeChat parent Tencent, as the White House steps up a campaign to crack down on Chinese tech firms. The president said the two companies represent a significant threat to national security. He says the apps could allow Beijing access to the private data of American citizens. The move is set to take effect in 45 days. Shares in Tencent Fell on that news and let's just have a look at the current trade on Tencent and you're getting a good sense here of what this ratcheting up of tension around access for these apps actually means for the way investors are thinking about their ownership of these tech companies. But how much further does this story run? Sam joins us now with a read on how meaningful this latest salvo is from President Trump. Sam.
2: Good morning to you, Jeff. Well, I think it's important to point out, firstly, that the scope of these transactions is unclear at the moment, but certainly both these executive orders do cite national security concerns and address the threats supposedly posed by both of these apps, WeChat and TikTok. So we are, of course, waiting to see exactly how these transactions will actually be defined, and that is expected to be detailed by the Commerce Secretary. So all we know now is really that The clock is ticking uh, on these apps which uh, you know of course the ban coming in in 45 days and it comes just a week after US President Donald Trump threatened to actually ban TikTok which of course has now until September the 15th to actually have its US business snapped up by Microsoft or face a ban Uh, and so this may you know perhaps put pressure on those negotiations to address these national security concerns raised by Trump in these executive orders. TikTok, of course, has come under fire in Washington lately over concerns that its users' data in America could end up in the hands of the Chinese government. But of course, um, th- he's also signed a similar order on WeChat saying its data collection uh, threatens to allow the Chinese government to access personal data of Americans. Now, this is an interesting one given that, you know, this is a very popular messaging app in China and amongst Chinese in America to actually keep in contact and stay in touch with family and friends back home, but also to send money. So this could be potentially significant for WeChat and more so than TikTok, because, of course, TikTok could potentially be rescued by Microsoft. So the big question is whether this ban will actually include messaging, because that could certainly be uh, big. But, uh, you know, interestingly, also, these orders say that these apps may be used for uh, disinformation campaigns that may potentially benefit the Chinese government. Now, of course, it comes as, you know, the U.S. is certainly looking to toughen uh, its stance on Chinese companies with U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo saying that the U.S. is now uh, looking to have Chinese apps uh, that are seen to be untrusted, removed, scrubbed uh, from uh, American app stores. And so this marks a significant escalation in this friction uh, and will likely uh, receive a a very uh, strong response uh, from Beijing, Jeff.
1: All right. Excellent, Sam. Thank you for that. We'll see you a little bit later on. Chinese exports grew 7.2% in July, rising at their fastest pace in seven months. That easily beat forecasts, but imports contracted over the month falling 1.4%, which was uh, off the pace of the estimates for a rise. US and Chinese officials are reportedly set to meet next week to continue trade talks and judge compliance with the phase one agreement, which was reached earlier this year. Officials from the SEC and the Treasury have urged President Trump to delist Chinese companies that trade on US markets, which failed to comply with audit standards. The recommendations come after the U.S. leader asked advisors, including Secretary Stephen Mnuchin and SEC Chair Jay Clayton, to look at ways to protect American investors from non-compliant Chinese companies. A Treasury official told reporters the move is designed to level the playing field. President Trump has indicated he is prepared to sign an executive order extending unemployment payments as well as reducing payroll tax cuts. This as Democrats and Republicans remain at odds over a new stimulus relief bill. Lawmakers have not made significant progress amid ongoing negotiations to reach a deal with unemployment insurance remaining a key point of contention. Republican leader Mitch McConnell highlighted concerns that an expansive bill may burden the government with higher levels of debt.
0: We've got an accurate picture of what we've done so far, what worked, what didn't, and the condition of the country. And now we can more accurately craft a proposal to deal with that. Because bear in mind, we have already added $3 trillion to the national debt back in March and April. We already have a debt the size of our economy for the first time since World War II. I think that's no small matter. That's a big deal. And so we need to be careful about what we do next.
1: House Speaker Nancy Pelosi blamed Mitch McConnell, who we just heard there, for delaying the bill and the Republicans' reluctance to approve some social measures.
2: Around 70,000 people have died while Mr McConnell passed them. Uh, press the pause button. Will we find a solution? We will. Will we have an agreement? We will. Uh, But it's hard to to share, uh, to go across the table with somebody who wants to give a tax break for somebody to have a a business lunch and refuses to give more money for children who are food insecure in our country to giving more for food stamps.
1: Nancy Pelosi, well, US weekly jobless claims fell to a pandemic-era low of 1.19 million. uh, That beat expectations. Continuing claims also eased to 16.1 million people. The data, the first major employment reading following the expiration of the government's unemployment scheme, And its payment protection program. The US economy is forecast to have added 1.6 million jobs in July. That is down from June's record of 4.8 million, uh, which was gained. According to Reuters, the unemployment rate is expected to have eased slightly to 10.5%. It comes amid uh, a rise in coronavirus cases across a number of major American cities in the South and the West. Michael Yoshikami is with us, founder and CEO of Destination Wealth Management. Uh, Michael, it's been a remarkable week. As I look at the uh, the market gains, we've had five straight up days here for the Dow and the S&P. The Nasdaq threw 11,000 and all of this as we got a rather lacklustre ADP, private employment survey and the numbers look way down on job gains for the non-farm payrolls today is the market not interested in the unemployment situation in america
3: you know i don't think the market's interested in the unemployment situation as it stands uh for the next month or two i think what the market is really focused on is what's going to happen when there's a vaccine remember Uh, There have been a slew of vaccine reports over the course of the last five or six days that have been very, very positive. And I think that's what's overshadowed the unemployment numbers, although certainly the ADP numbers, as you mentioned, was a mixed bag with uh, the travel industry still continuing to suffer and slowdowns appearing to accelerate.
1: There is, as you look at the Nasdaq, just a sense of bubble or hubris about how quickly we've gone through 11,000 at this point. How careful do you have to be if you're thinking about putting fresh money to work?
3: Uh, You better be really careful. I think it's a good point you make that um, the market does um, appear to be, at the very least, rather euphoric. And I think that certainly if you look at some of the tech names and what's happened with the Nasdaq, the Nasdaq has been percolating up based, again, on potential recovery in the economy. Remember, uh, markets are oftentimes overly pessimistic and overly optimistic. And I think you better be careful if you have cash, you better spread it out over a period of time because I think we are due for choppiness over the course of the next four months, particularly ramping up to the US election.
1: Uh, what advice are you giving clients then? Or how are you uh, negotiating the current risk-reward
3: Well, I think first of all, um, it's probably a mistake to just completely bail on stocks, but you got to be pretty selective. You got to make sure that you buy stocks that are going to be able to pass through the difficulties we have right now that are going to survive out the other end of this in a year or so. Dividends make a lot of sense. Uh, I'd be pretty cautious on commodities as economic growth is going to be pretty sluggish. Uh, And I think industries like technology, healthcare, and believe it or not, even financial services, where financial service companies in many cases are some of the healthiest companies are areas i think you want to uh, consider and don't forget the ever boring but dependable uh, consumer staples because these are the names that often pay dividends and they tend to be the most resilient when times are tough uh, on an economic standpoint
1: yeah I, I listen to a lot of strategists at the moment who are very dismissive of what they see taking place on uh, the robin hood uh, trading app and um question whether there are too many investors getting involved in the market who've never seen a down market at this point. Uh, Jim Cramer famously this week uh, talked a lot about foolish people who are misunderstanding what they're doing. Um, Would you concur with uh, Jim Cramer's perspective and um, what value uh, do we get from watching the action of investors or new traders on Robinhood?
3: Well, I, yes, I, I agree with Jim that there's a lot of speculation occurring. Um, um, I know just the other day I was talking to uh, one of my daughter's friends, and he mentioned that he's now an expert trader uh, on Robinhood, having never invested before. Now, remember, many of these investors are um, not big investors. They may invest a 1000 or 5000 or $2,000. That's the benefit of uh, investing with some of these smaller trading companies. Um, But I do think it is something to be aware of. I think when you start to have euphoria like this, it reminds me a lot of the euphoria that happened in the Chinese market three or four years ago, uh, when those who were completely uninformed about Chinese markets in China actually were speculating in the Chinese markets. And at that time, some people in the Chinese government were telling me that they were concerned about this, rightly so. And I think we should also be concerned about those who are speculating and don't understand what the word investing means.
1: Mm. we listened to uh, Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell a little earlier on the program. Um, we're edging towards some form of stimulus here. How important for you is it that we do get uh, something that looks like a trillion plus in fresh stimulus?
3: Well, I think it's virtually a certainty we're going to get a trillion. The Democrats are proposing three. The Republicans are starting out at one. And so I think there is going to be a trillion plus stimulus program. And I think as on. Un- Pleasant as that is, um, given that we're increasing the national debt in the United States unprecedented levels, um, I think it's important, as the Federal Reserve uh, governors um, have many times said in individual interviews, um, it's not just the Fed. The U.S. government has to step in in really unprecedented circumstances. So if there was not a stimulus path, I think that would be very, very dramatic for the market, very dramatic for the economy. I think legislators know this, and that's why I think there'll be a plan uh, that is approved.
1: All right, Michael, good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Michael Yoshikami, founder and CEO of Destination Wealth Management. Still to come on the programme, Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey uh, denies claims he is talking up the economy and tells CNBC why negative rates will stay in the toolbox for now. That conversation in just a moment. The coronavirus pandemic has caused over a 1,000 deaths in the United States for the third day in a row, bringing the total toll to 160,000. Texas has seen the most daily fatalities so far. Meanwhile, the US State Department lifted its advisory warning against travelling abroad. Globally, COVID-19 cases are nearing the 20 million mark, with the death count already topping 700,000. The Richmond Fed president, Thomas Barkin, told CNBC more stimulus is needed because the pandemic is likely to hurt the economy for longer than policymakers originally thought.
3: The first uh, set of stimulus packages were all placed with the expectation that this was a four week, six week, eight week shutdown. And that at the end, the economy would return to the levels we had before. I think what we see now is that the downturn is longer than we'd anticipated then. And uh, the recovery path is uh, less steep. And so, uh, you know, you could use the plate over a pothole analogy. You could use the bridge over a ridge or river analogy. But regardless, uh, we've got a lot more people uh, in trouble now than we had hoped we would have four months ago, and a lot of them are in need.
1: Uh, Well, the UK uh, Bank of England gave us uh, an adjustment on its GDP forecasts yesterday. Um, And even as they were published, there were those analysts out there who said they still look too optimistic. But the Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey told CNBC he will push back against any claims. The central bank's forecasts are still too positive I sat down with Governor Bailey, and I asked him if this was uh, the old ECB trick of talking up the economy a little bit with forward guidance. We've seen quite a, a, a rapid recovery of some parts
0: of the economy over the last two months or so. Now, I don't think that's particularly surprising. I think as you know, as, as various parts of the restrictions get lifted, yeah, you know, we all start to do things, and activity does return. But it's very unevenly distributed, as we know, because it obviously gets, relates right back to the, you know, the impact of COVID, those sectors that have got more reliance on you know, people and people who work in close proximity or close proximity to you know, customers and consumers much more affected. But yeah, the data is showing that there has been a recovery in the economy of that, of that sense. However, here's where I would, you know, I would really push back on the optimism point we are taking very little from that in terms of what is going, we think could happen, will happen next. We think the rate of recovery is going to slow down, that it's going to be a much more protracted you know, process from here onwards. We've got a very big distribution of potential outcomes in our forecast with the largest ever degree of uncertainty in any forecast the MPC has done. That's over nearly 25 years. And what I think probably one of the, one, if not the largest downside skews in terms of the risks. Now... So the evolution of COVID is one thing. I think the second thing then, closely related, obviously, is people's natural caution in response to their you know, perceptions and understanding of the evolution of, of COVID and how people are cautious about re-engaging in economic activity. And we certainly think you know, we will, we're we seeing that and we'll see it. And then I think the third thing, and this, again, is, is hard to assess, but we think it's you know, it's undoubtedly there is to what extent there will be structural change in the economy because there will be parts of the economy which are not viable, if you like, going forward. So all of those, we think, are in there. So I would really lean back on people who think the Bank of England is optimistic. I think we've seen recovery to date, but we're not taking any strong message from that going forwards.
1: The um, uh, NIESR has talked about a 10% unemployment rate uh, because they are worried about the cliff edge around the furlough scheme. Yeah. Um, you are a bit more optimistic on the employment trends than oh. they are. But do you also worry about a cliff edge in October on the furlough programme? The sense for a lot of people on that scheme is that actually their job may disappear once the government support is gone. Well, we
0: what we have in, a, in the central case in our forecast, we have unemployment rising to around 7.5% uh, at the end of this year. Now, we then have it Gradually coming down over the sort of the rest of the forecast period. So we have a quite a pronounced pickup. We don't. I don't particularly relate that to the furloughing scheme. And by the way, of course, the Chancellor's introduced incentives for people to you know to, to take people back off furloughing. And by the way, I should say that the evidence we're seeing is that is that there is quite a strong reflow from furloughing into employment going on at the moment. I think the question marks then you know are. You know, more, to, not really to do with. They're not to do with furloughing, They're to do with sort of structural viability of parts of the of parts of the economy. And that's where I think there will be there will be some change. There will be areas of the economy that are already struggling, unfortunately. And I would say, I mean, w- whether you think seven and a half percent is optimistic or not, it's it, nobody should take any comfort from having seven and a half percent unemployment. I mean, you know, we are going to do everything we can as the Bank of England, to lean against that,
1: because the people of this country deserve it. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com.
3: Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cupmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show weekdays on CNBC.